Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was a boy in grade school, we had a whole menu of gags and gotchas that we could do to one another. We had the noogie, of course, and the wedgie, and my personal favorite, the Hertz Donut. Remember the Hertz Donut? You want a Hertz Donut? Hertz Donut! Happy to say that my kids are still keeping many of these in currency today. But among all of those different gags and gotchas, there was one that stood out for its grossness. One that you yourself wouldn't want to do unless it was absolutely necessary. I'm talking about the wet willy. You remember the wet willy? Ooh, the wet willy is when you would lick your fingers like so and then plop them in the other guy's ears when he doesn't expect it. Right, Joan? I know, it's gross. It's terrible. It was a last resort if you really had to get somebody's attention. I never thought that I'd be talking about wet willies in a sermon, <clears throat> but Jesus has given me no choice in today's gospel. So the setting of it is that Jesus has just healed a woman's daughter, and he did that, boom, with a word. Just at his word, the little girl was healed. So now this reputation is spreading all over the place about how Jesus is this wonder worker, how maybe he's a kind of magic man. And so folks are bringing people to him who are blind, who are lame, who are, in this case, deaf and have a speech impediment. So they bring this man to Jesus and beg him, plead with him, ask him to do anything he can in order to heal him. And so what does Jesus do? He takes the man aside privately and then it says puts his fingers in his ears, and he's not done yet, spits and puts it on the guy's tongue, like paging Dr. Fauci, right? This is just not right. This is not approved, Jesus. This is so gross and unhygienic. But I'll tell you what, there's something more disturbing about this than simply its grossness. See, we might find it to be exceptionally weird that Jesus does all this. But in fact, in that time and place, it wouldn't necessarily have been very weird. It was very common for villages to have a kind of, of magic man, a kind of witch doctor, if you will, who would use different kinds of, of folk remedies in order to communicate healing, in order to supposedly bring about some kind of, of curative power in the person who's sick or ill or otherwise in need. And in fact, in the ancient Near East, including among Jews, spittle had an understanding of, of having a kind of healing, if not a miraculous property, if that spit belonged to the right person. Now, why is this significant? Because it can almost look like, when you consider that context, it can almost look like, well, is Jesus just one more witch doctor? Is he just one more magic man who's peddling in the, the practices of the day? Is there nothing different about our Lord Jesus? Or does he just go through the, the same book and uses the, out of the same playbook as all those other charlatans who are out there? Is, is that all that Jesus does? And on top of all of that, we know that this is a totally gratuitous thing for him to do, right? We have heard about, and we've seen in other instances, how he can heal just with a word. He did it right before this with the, the woman with the demon-possessed daughter. Simply by speaking from a distance, he was able to heal her. 
But now Jesus is going to play act like one of their magic men, one of the rich doctors that they know. And in that way, he's going to bring healing to this person. All of this seems so strange, so disturbing, so unnecessary and gratuitous. But consider it from the perspective of the deaf man, the deaf and mute man. Now, needless to say, everybody could be talking and trying to tell him about this Jesus that they're bringing him to, but he's none the wiser. He can't hear them. He can't understand what it is that's going on. Maybe he's feeling a little bit anxious and uncertain. Why are they dragging me along to this guy that I've never seen or met before? What's he going to do to me? And then Jesus takes him aside privately. I find that so fascinating. We have a Lord who is happy to, to speak to the multitudes, but who is also able to count every hair on your head, who knows us personally and deeply. He takes the man aside privately, and our Lord becomes the healing word. He becomes, if you will, God's sign language to this man, meeting him precisely where he's at. This man who cannot hear, who cannot speak, for him, Jesus says, I'm willing to, to condescend to the practices of this time and place in order to communicate to this man, to show him by his actions, here's what I'm doing for you, right? I'm going to stick my fingers in your ears. And the man thinks, okay, maybe something's going to happen to my ears. I'm going to spit on his tongue. Kind of gross, but I, he's got to have a good reason for it. See, when Jesus does all of this, it's not wizardry. It's empathy. It's empathy. Jesus meeting the man right where he is, touching him in the most vulnerable of places in order to convey care to him, in order to communicate to him that the way that you are hurting, the way that you are feeling lost and despondent in precisely that way and in that place, that's where I'm going to meet you. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He's not just another magic man or a witch doctor. In fact, he wants to show this man that the true source of his strength, the, the true source of his healing and salvation is not in a wet willy, heavenly or otherwise. Instead, the Lord looks up to heaven and he groans. The word is used elsewhere in the scriptures to describe the groans of a woman in labor. It's used in Romans 8 to talk about how all of creation right now is groaning and longing for the redemption of our bodies. Jesus absorbs into himself all of the pain, all of the frustration, all of the grief of his fallen creation and of this man. And in all of that, he does not stand aloof or at a distance, but instead cries out to the God of heaven and says, Ephrathah, be opened. And just as in the beginning, at the creation God Almighty said, let there be light, and boom, there was light. So Jesus here, the word made flesh, utters a single word, and the man's ears are open, his tongue released, and he is healed. Was it necessary 
for Jesus to go to all of these great lengths in order to bring healing to this man? Wasn't it totally gratuitous? You bet your bottom dollar it was gratuitous. This is the grace of our Lord who is unwilling to stand at a distance from his people but instead will do whatever it takes, will go to the greatest of lengths in order to meet you and me right where we are, drawing us aside privately, the Lord who knows the hairs on your head, who knows your deepest thoughts and fears. To you, he draws near and brings his healing word. And it's still true today. This gratuitousness of our Lord, it's, it's still true today. I remember I was talking with um, another pastor, but from a different tradition, Baptist or kind of evangelical, something like that. And he was asking, he wasn't trying to be difficult or nosy, but he was asking, you know, you Lutherans, you know, what's wrong with just having God's word? Isn't the Bible enough for you? Why do you also got to have this other stuff? Why do you got to have, have baptism and make such a big deal about that? Why do you got to have the, the Lord's Supper and make such a big deal about that? Isn't all of that just kind of unnecessary? Isn't the Bible enough? You say that you believe in, in sola scriptura, in scripture alone. It seems like you're adding a lot of other things than just having the word. It's a good question. How would you respond to that? Isn't it kind of unnecessary? And I would say, yeah. Strictly speaking, it is unnecessary. But see, this is the super abundant grace of our God who says, I want to get at you in every way I can, see. The God who created you with how many senses? One, two, three, five senses, right? I get them all mixed up sometimes. I need you kids to remind me. What are all the senses? The God who made us this way, he also wants to reach us, not just through the ears, but also through the eyes, through the nose, and yes, through the mouth. In all of these different ways, through that touch, he continues to project his grace to you and me. In fact, one of the early church teachers, whom I often reference, St. Augustine, he said that the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism, it's nothing less than visible gospel visible gospel. It's God giving us this visible way. It's not only an auditory way, but also a, a tangible, tactile way in which he is able to connect with us. We have it in baptism. We have it in the Lord's Supper. You know what else? You have it in one another. You are the body of Christ. Our Lutheran confessions have this lovely phrase to, to describe this. The, they call it the mutual consol consolation and conversation of the brethren. The mutual consolation and conversation of the brethren. Among one another, within the body of Christ, the Lord is able to lay his healing hands on you, to encourage you, to build you up. As we pray for one another, as we speak words of life to each other, as we, we spur each other on in the life of faith, all of these, was that necessary? Did God really have to do it? I said to this guy, I kind of, he blushed a little bit. I said, and does my wife, you know, she says I love you all the time. Does she really need to smooch me? <laughs> Strictly speaking, I suppose not. I'm glad that she does because she is super abundant in her grace toward this sinner. How much more our Lord who's not only going to speak that word, I love you, to you and me, but to connect with us in so many different ways. And look, I want to leave you with this thought. I think that this is such an important teaching for us. 
in our time and place. Because we are living in a cultural moment where many people, spiritually speaking, are like this deaf man, right? They cannot or they will not hear the word of God. Some people view it just as, as some fantasy or folk tale. Other people even think that the gospel is hate speech, right? So in that kind of time and place, in that sort of culture, how can we connect with others who will not or cannot hear? Listen, we can follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus as those who have been claimed by him and go out and not just speak the word, but embody the word. If they won't hear the message of the gospel, perhaps they will see our acts of loving service to others. And in that way, able to recognize God's glad good news. I wanted to, to share this quote with you from uh, Martin Luther, who puts it in his way that only Martin Luther can. He says this, Father and mother, masters and mistresses, neighbors, parish pastors and preachers, all of us are the fingers of our Lord God, the servants and spittle through which he looses our tongues and opens our ears. When you hear them, God says to your hearts as to this deaf man, Ephatha, so that your ears are opened, your tongue becomes moist, and you forthwith become a hearing, speaking person, no longer deaf and mute as before. You, dear friends, are the body of Christ, which means that you are also the fingers of our Lord Jesus, which means that you are God's very spittle. And in God's own time and place, he works in and through us, frail sinners that we are. And by his power, the Holy Spirit continues to speak that ephatha, opening deaf ears, opening blind eyes to see the glory of the gospel in the face of Christ. You are those fingers and spittle of God. And guess what? No wet willies required. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We stand.